was out walking, seeking the Lord during the week for one of the messages for the mission. And he gave me a message that I'll probably start looking into more this week on how to worship. What is worship? Because people, many people don't realize what worship is. And God willing, maybe next week I see how I'm led. Next Lord's Day morning, uh, I'll maybe bring it if the Lord doesn't put it on to another date. But he emphasized it about worship. I was walking along the road there talking to the dog, or talking to the Lord with the dog. (laughs) I talked to the dog too, by the way. Talking to the Lord with the dog. And I told him I wanted to worship him. He started dealing with me in worship. How to worship. What is worship? And God willing, we'll look at that. Maybe next week. I'm just praying about it at the moment. It's good to see Zoe in. Zoe buried her mommy on Friday. And here she's in the Lord's house remembering the Lord this morning. Bless you, Zoe. We're praying for you. And keep her and her family in your prayers, please. It's good to see you this morning. I honestly didn't expect you, uh, but you're here, and God bless you for it. Will you turn with me again to the book of Genesis? The book of Genesis, please. We're going to read the first three verses of chapter 1, just as a recap of last week, and then we'll go into chapter 2, God willing, and just lift a few verses there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the sense of your presence. We thank you you've been here, and even as Andrew led us round the table and emphasized, Lord, that you have been in our midst by your Spirit this morning. We thank you, Lord, now we ask you to bless the, the babies and, the, uh, and the, those in the creche, the parents and those who are with them this morning. We ask you to bless the children's church this morning as the leaders there are teaching them the things of God, and we pray you bless all the leaders there. And we pray, O oh God, for those who are watching now, wherever they may be in the world or life or later, we pray, O oh God, you'd bless them and give them their portion. And we ask you, O oh Lord, that you would also bless all your people. We we'll thank you for such a number turning out this morning. And we ask you, Lord, to encourage every heart this morning and challenge us and bring conviction even to the meeting. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I just ask for that door to be closed again, please? I don't like it lying open. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Bless you. Last week, as we looked at the plan of salvation in the pattern of creation, the four points are this. God makes a mess a masterpiece. God will make a mess a masterpiece. He turns a mold into a man, a mold into a man. And then he reaches mankind and makes it his mission. And his mission becomes a mountain in the earth. We'll see how we get on this morning. I don't want to labor this too long. The main points have been really said today and last week. But we notice here it says in 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form or void, form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now we looked at it last week. We're not going to we're not going to dwell on it too much this week. But it says here that the earth was without form and void. The earth was the words are tohu vabohu. It means basically the earth was topsy-turvy, upside down, even off-axis, knocked off-axis. And it gives the idea, form and void, it was an indistinguishable mass. And then it means that the Spirit of God, it says in verse 2, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. The ruach, the breath, the wind of God moved upon the waters there. And notice uh, the idea it moved is the word rakaf, which means to hover, to flutter, to brood. So we see the Holy Spirit here. He broods over the water. He broods over this mess. And only God can do this. So science are trying to find out the origin of the universe. And they're sending rockets to Mars and all sorts of stuff. They're finding, trying to find out in outer space and all of this. I could save them billions upon billions and trillions of pounds through the years and bring them to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. God created the heavens and the earth, but there was a mess. It was tohu vabohu, and it says, and the Spirit of God moved, brooded as a bird would flutter over the face of the waters. Notice this, the, the, the idea of brooding here or moving means there was divine activity. Divine activity. And how God would take this mess and make it a masterpiece. So let me just run swiftly to where we finished last week. We looked at this. First of all, this tells me the Holy Spirit is always ready to activate the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is always ready to activate the Word of God. When the Word of God has spoken, the Holy Spirit moved. And God said, let there be light. And through the agency of the Spirit of God brooding the the divine activity, we're told, and there was light. So the Word is the creative Word, the the very Word going into the darkness of, of what we know as outer space, uh, when there was nothing but a mess. And there, God's word and God's spirit causes things to happen. What a mess many of us were. And none could help you, brother. And none could help you, sister. What a mess lives have been. What a mess you've been tohu vabuhu. Your life has become topsy-turvy, upside down, back to front, and you can't find either shape nor make of it. And it takes the Word of God and the Spirit of God to speak into that darkness, into that storm, into that mess. And God takes the mess and he makes a masterpiece. Maybe your life has been a mess. Maybe your life is a mess. With the Spirit of God and taking the Word that you read and hear Taking the God and his word 
is what changes your life and takes the mess that your life may have found itself in, your family and all the things even Andrew said around the table, all the things that have been happening uh, that's really been sort of thrown you into chaos and your life, your situations, your family, your mind even, is tohu vavuhu. It is more or less topsy-turvy. And there's no one can help you. You've tried everything. Listen, I know before I was saved where my life was. Talking to people at the mission, one man in particular, he was on drugs. He's saved years now, but he was on drugs and he said he had no, he had no strength to live or will. And I understand that I got there with drugs and, and, and drink. I, that's where it brought me. And that mess, God takes it. And he's still working on me now. But he makes it a masterpiece. God is making your life brother and your life sister into a masterpiece. God will change you through the spirit and the word of God. As I said, it's no good just having the word. The word is flat on page. It needs activated by the spirit of God speaking the quickened rima word of God to your life. And you say, Lord, I'm taking you at your word. And this mess that I'm in, you can change it. Sometimes he changes it the way you don't expect it. And he doesn't always answer your prayer the way you want it. And I'm glad he doesn't because there's times I've prayed and I've realized I've been praying wrong. I'm glad God hasn't answered certain prayers that I've prayed, but rather he's answered them in a different way. So notice, first of all, this tells me the Holy Spirit is always ready to activate the word of God. The spirit brooding, fluttering, moving in our assembly. I want to ask you something, all of us something. Were you aware of him this morning? Were you aware of him? Were you aware that he was here and he is here? Were you aware of the brooding? As it were, the fluttering, the moving of the spirit? Many of us come and it's just another Sunday morning. And look, and we love you coming. Don't get me wrong. And we're glad to see everyone this morning. But were you aware of the brooding and the moving of the Spirit in the meeting this morning? That's why Andrew changed what he was going to read and say because the Spirit moved upon him and was brooding in the place. Were you aware of it? Are you aware of him? Because when the spirit moves like that and we are getting the word of God, then the word of God, if you receive the word, we're going to look at it in a moment. If you receive the word, the word will change your life. The word will change you. So, first of all, this tells me the Holy Spirit is always ready to activate the word. Secondly, this tells me that God can create something out of nothing. God can create something. He makes something out of this nothing, a mess, and he makes the universe out of it. Now, if God is able to do that by his word, what can he do in your life? What can he do with your life? You know the impossibilities you face, the things that are too big for you? 
the things that have caused you anxiousness, anxieties and worries and frettings and fears and torments and trials, all of those things. If God and since God has created with his word and his spirit took the word, made a mess, a masterpiece, out of nothing brings everything. And what can he do in your life when he's moving in your heart by his spirit? What, would he, what does he want to do in CET this morning? What does he want to do in our assembly? We were aware of it last week where we were saying God broods over an assembly and at times the assembly sort of are dead in heart toward him. This primeval chaos, he looks at a total mess. And he breathes his spirit on it and his word into it. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31 says, And God saw everything that he had made. Notice, and God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. Not just good, it was very good. Because he took a mess and he made it a masterpiece. He took a mess and he made it a masterpiece. And it was very good. Listen, brothers and sisters, Philippians 1 and verse 6, what Paul says to you and I this morning. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you. Notice God has begun the work in you, brother, sister. You haven't begun the work. You didn't run to Christ to be saved. Christ drew you to be saved, called you into salvation. He begun the good work in you. Notice, being confident of this very thing. See, sometimes we have no confidence in Christ and we lean our confidence on ourselves and we realize many of us, we're not confident at all. No confidence. And so what happens is when we fail, we fall, or whatever way things go in our lives, what happens? Many people find it harder to, to believe that God loves them, to believe even that they're still his. And some would even go into the world because, well, I've fallen so far, I've went away so much, I, I, I'm never going to make it. I can't do this because I keep trying and trying and trying. You know what your problem is, brother, because you keep trying? That's your problem. It's not about you trying and trying and trying. It's about you receiving and believing. It's about you believing God at what he says and his spirit will come and he will take the mess to make it the masterpiece. He will take that tohu vabohu and at the end of it all, he will say it was very good. And you've no confidence in Christ, but rather we try our confidence in ourselves, thinking that we can when all the time we cannot do it but yet it's the confidence in what Christ has done. You know why I'm saved? Because I have confidence in what Christ has done. I'm only saved because I have confidence in what Christ has accomplished. And so because of that, I have confidence in him. Being confident of this very thing, that he which begun a good work in you, he's working in you, brother. He's working in you. You're not the masterpiece yet. He sees you as the masterpiece. He sees what he's going to make you at the end. He sees when he comes back and 
Our bodies are changed to be like unto his own glorious body. He sees the finished product. But unfortunately, many of us don't really see that or know that or understand it enough or even believe it, even as believers. And, and what happens is we, we struggle. We all struggle. And then the, the devil comes and attacks you and your minds all over the place. And Listen, let me tell you something on Friday night after the mission. <clears throat> and you know, that, that wee hall down there in our dress is, uh, you know, there's something about that wee hall. It's a special wee hall. Um, but it's just something, there's good meetings in it. And we had good meetings, a real sense of God in it. They were, it was powerful. And we were praying with people most nights and people came to the Lord each night. But uh, on Friday night, I wasn't, we weren't home till. It was after midnight when we were driving down the road, Allison, wasn't it? Because we were praying with people who needed prayer. And when I got in, we were on top of the world, feeling great, full of energy, you know, just full of health and strength and built up in the spirit. And we were just, it was just really good. So we got a, a late cup of tea before bed and I drank about half of it and I went, oh, I'm going to bed. And I started feeling unwell. Just like that, started feeling unwell. And I said to Alison, I don't feel good. My heart was pounding out of my chest. And I thought at one point, I didn't want to say to Alison, I think I'm going to take a heart attack here. Heart's pounding out of my chest. And I just felt I was under attack of a spiritual darkness. And I ended up at the run into the bathroom and violently being sick. And I came in and I, I, I tossed and turned to about 3.30 in the morning. And eventually went to sleep. But in the middle of that sleep, Alison had to wake me up. I was dreaming there was demons all over me. And when I woke up, I still felt it. Attacking me, attacking me, clawing at me, clawing at me. And I was, yesterday, Alison will tell you, I was like a washed out rag absolutely exhausted, not because of the preaching of the mission, but after this attack. I was in top form in the house afterwards, glorying in what the Lord had done, glorying in the presence of Christ. And suddenly, bang, hit like this. Now, if I was to judge myself and how I felt that night and yesterday, I would have no confidence in feeling so bad. But my confidence isn't in me. My confidence was in the Lord. And glory to God, brothers and sisters. And I say this for God's glory. When, the, when we are doing something for God and we're, we're in that place where God is working in us, God is working in us and even through us, we are, we are set up for an attack somewhere. Where it's bound to come. And it's how you and I worked through that. And it's what you and I believe in that. And maybe someone here this morning has been feeling under the under pressure on the attack of that. Brothers and sisters, we have to realize that and you feel that you can't go on, you feel that you're a failure, that you want to give up. Now listen, brothers and sisters. You may feel a million things. It's not your feelings. 
You may feel God so far away from you. It's not your feelings. It's your faith in Christ and what he has done. And here's the thing. You may want to give up and feel, well, I'm no good. None of us are good, but Christ is good. Paul says, there's no good thing in me that is in my flesh, but the Lord is in him and he was good. Philippians 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who begun the work? Who begun the work in you? The Lord Jesus Christ begun the work. Who begun the work, brothers and sisters? Will you shout it out? Jesus begun the work. And who's performing the work? And who will complete the work? So listen, you can't give up now. God's not finished with you yet. You can't lose hope now for God's not finished with you yet. For he takes a mess and he makes it a masterpiece. And you and I are all still in the process of it. Thirdly, God sees the finished product. God sees what you and I will be. We were hopeless without form and void, if you want, in the spirit, maybe even in life. But God breathes out and spoke his word and is doing our work. I want to run on quickly here and not really stay too much around that point. I want to just move quickly to the second point before we round it up. Will you go with me to Genesis chapter 2, please? Genesis chapter 2. And let your eye just run down to verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. And the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Notice this. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The Lord God formed. The Lord God formed. When you're reading Genesis chapter 1, this is what you'll read. And God said... And God said, and God said the word. Now we're seeing the Lord God for the first time in verse 4. The Lord God of chapter 2. The Lord God. Notice that. And God said, God said chapter 1. The whole way down it. And the word is Elohim. Singular yet plural in his majesty. And now it's on the Lord God. Meaning Jehovah Elohim. Or Yahweh Elohim starts to starts to take a change here. You know why? Because in Genesis chapter two, he now becomes personal. He's God, the great creator. Now he reveals himself as Yahweh, as Jehovah, the one who comes personally and walks with Adam. 
and the cool of the day. Notice, see the word formed. It means God expresses a relationship of craftsmanship to a material. It gives the idea. You get a, a, a potter and he gets the clay and he puts it on the weed and he starts to mold it and make it and put the water on it, starts to form it. That's the idea here. God takes the dust of the ground and, and he starts like a potter with the clay to mold and to form a man. So he, he takes a mold and he makes it a man. He takes a mold, M-O-U-L-D, and he makes it a man. God who was transcendent to all that he created is now in relationship with man. Is now in relationship with man. And you know, God forms. It means to squeeze, by the way. The word for form. It gives the idea to squeeze into shape. To squeeze into shape. So when we're saved, a mess, a masterpiece. In our lives, he changes things even in our lives. Messes to make it a masterpiece for us. And then he takes the mold. We're not what we should be. We may not be what we used to be. But we're not maybe what we should be. And he starts to squeeze us into shape. He starts to squeeze you into shape. Notice this. It says... In verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and here it is, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The word here is the same as the Spirit entering into man, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This is an act of grace. When God made us alive unto Christ, it was an act of grace. Breathing his spirit into us to bring us to Christ. And man became a living soul. It gives the idea of God came face to face in relationship. Face to face. Personalized it. And it also gives the idea to kiss one. God came with this mold and he squeezed it into shape. And as it were, he kissed it with life. He breathed into the nostrils and man became a living nefesh. Do you know the real you that's inside you that only you and God know? The real you? The you with the with the emotion, with the intellect, with the thinking, with the feeling, the real soul, the soul without Christ that will Be lost for eternity. Well, that soul, the real you inside of you, the seat and the appetite of your affections and your will, all of that is birthed from God. All of it is birthed from God. God takes his mold and he breathes and he blows on it. Man wakens up. Hence the Spirit of God in our salvation. He breathed in us to waken us up. And then our times of trial, he can breathe on you to waken you up, to see, to be able to cope, to overcome. And the term here is he fashioned or he 
squeezed in the shape of man. In, in Psalm 139 and in verse 16, Psalm 139 and verse 16, listen to what it says. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. You know what this is speaking of? The child being squeezed into shape in the mommy's womb. The baby being fashioned and formed in the mommy's womb. Just as God took of the dust of the ground and squeezed the dust in the shape. The word here is the word yatsar. God squeezes it. He's making it in the, in the womb. God fashions the wee eyes and the nose and the mouth and the wee head. God starts to work and it brings it all together. The wee hands and the fingers and the fingernails start to appear and the legs and the feet and the toes and the the very expressions of their wee face. They're being fashioned by the Lord. That's why every one of us are, are, are special. Distinct one from another. Because only God could make so many to be so distinct. Only God could make so many to be so distinct. It's the exact same word in a mommy's womb. Notice this. In John chapter 20 and verse 22, we're told of the Lord Jesus with the disciples, it says, and he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. He's taken the mold of the person, the man. You and I are vessels of clay. From Adam's race, from Adam's genes, you and I are the mold like Adam. We're from the same mold. And he takes these men and he breathes on them and he says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive him. You know what's wrong with many Christians and with many, many churches? They no longer want to receive the Holy Ghost. They no longer want to receive the Holy Spirit of God. Notice here, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. The word breathe here, by the, word, by the way, is the word emphusao. Emphasao. And it means, and it gives the idea to puff or to blow or to breathe on. And if you, if, if you were to look up what's known as the Septuagint, the Septuagint is the Old Testament written in Greek. Just like your New Testament is mainly, the Old Testament is mainly, not completely written in Hebrew, uh, Masoretic Hebrew really, and the, 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 New Te- the Old Testament written in Greek. If you go to Genesis chapter 2, and it says, And the Lord God breathed into the man's nostrils. The word breathed, and the the word for breathed from John chapter 20 and verse 22 are the exact same word. The exact same, no difference. So the God who breathed into Adam and man became a living nephesh is the Lord Jesus Christ who breathes upon the, the, the disciples to make them into apostles. So God takes a mold and he makes 
that mold a man. Brothers and sisters, here's what I've written down. Jesus breathed forth his word. And as he created in Genesis 1 and brought forth life, a conscious, living, loving fellowship in Adam. In Genesis 2 and 7, here he creates again. He births power in the spirit and authority through the word, through his disciples. Is there someone here this morning? Is there someone here this morning? And you'd love to have more of the Lord. Thank you, Jill. Jill does. I do. Is there someone here this morning and you want to have more of the Lord in your life? You want to have more of the Spirit of God? Because, listen, we could quote Scripture, we could preach Scripture, we could teach Scripture, and people will become intellectually powerful. But if you want it to make a difference, it has to be under the anointing of God. There are men who go to seminary, they go to university, they go to Bible college, and I have nothing against them, I'm not saying against them, but you know what many of them do that I have known? It took those who were even Pentecostals going in and on fire for God. See, by the time they come out, they were dead. Well, they knew that they knew what they were looking at. They could, oh, they could quote you scripture and they could teach you all the doctrines. But seeing the spirit, they were absolutely dead. No life in them. It's they had sucked the life out of them. We need the word on the spirit. Is there someone here who'll say, you know, Lord, I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit that you will take this man or woman. This mold. And you'll make me the man or woman you want me to be. I must close this. We were late starting this morning, or late getting to the pulpit, but the Lord was doing different things. Listen, here's what my old friend, Pastor Jennings, once said, and I've written it down. He was seeking for the baptism in the Spirit years ago. He's a man in, well, in the 70s now, but years ago when he was at different meetings and they were, you know, listen, you know, Pentecostal meetings, you know, repeat this word after me and all this sort of stuff. Now, that's not the Holy Ghost. You repeat this word after me and they start, you know, somebody goes, da, 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 and you go, da, da, da. That's what a baby does, doesn't it? That's not the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. Forget it. That's nonsense. And he sought and he sought about it. And he, somebody gave him a book. can't remember who it was, but somebody gave him a book and he was reading about it. And this is what he said he read. When God breathes out, you breathe in. When God breathes out, you breathe in. What do you mean? When the Spirit of God hovers flutters. When the Spirit of God is in the meeting, start drinking of the Spirit. Enter in. Take what he's saying. Take it on board. And listen, see if we don't start getting rid of our 
religion, religiosity, our, our bondage that binds us. Now, all things must be done decently in order. Don't get me wrong. But if we don't get rid of those things, we will never, ever see the power of God moving in our lives. When God breathes out, you breathe in. To receive means to accept, to take to oneself, to lay hold on and to take in. Brother, sister, when we were here this morning and Andrew felt led to change it round the table and it was completely right to do so because I was aware of this. When God was breathing out, were you breathing in? When God was breathing out, were you breathing in? Were you receiving of him or was it here again? Oh, well, I've talked my card. Or was it just, I wonder what I'll do this afternoon. Or was it, did I turn that slow cooker on for my dinner coming back again? Or are you going to receive burnt offerings when you get home? Or was it the Lord is here I'm entering in? Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. Lord, I desire you. Without you, Lord, I'm, I'm empty. I'm nothing. Because that's how we come in and then we can go back out. And this isn't a criticism, by the way, or condemnation. Please don't take it as it is. I'm just trying to help you. What did you do personally? Because I want you, I want you to experience the Lord Jesus. Listen to Acts 2 as we finish this. And suddenly there came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and they appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And here God breathes out and fills his people with the Holy Spirit. Here God is activating the body of Christ on earth. The body as Adam's body needed the breath of God as God breathed into Adam. The body of Christ, that is you and I, the church, the body of Christ needed the spirit of Christ, needed the Holy Ghost. Because we're just like clay vessels in need of being filled. And so here things change and this is what I'd written when, and I don't know many times I have read Acts chapter 2. I don't know many times I've spoke on Acts chapter 2, uh, quite a number of times. But this is what I had, I had written here. The tongues of the Spirit speak through the tongues of men. They all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I know people say, well, that's... Tongues is just really speaking in different languages. Let's put it into modern terms. Maybe you go on a missionary as a missionary and it speaks in African languages or dialects or French or Spanish. Yes, that can happen and that has happened. In fact, it's happened in here to a woman who's here this morning. She's from another country and she heard what she'd been asking the Lord and she didn't really understand English and she got saved through the interpretation as well. Yes, that can happen. But here's what I want to ask you. Paul says that when he speaks with tongues, he speaks mysteries 
unto God. Speaks mysteries unto God. Does Paul then mean that he's speaking in an African dialect or an Indian dialect language? Or a, does it mean that Paul is speaking in French or Spanish over, over Portuguese where the Brazilians are or the, 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 the Mexicans and their Spanish? Or, you know, does that mean Paul is speaking in tongues, speaking in mysteries unto God? He's speaking things that God doesn't understand because... Or, or pardon me, that he's speaking at what others don't understand, but yet he's speaking in different languages? It's not what that means at all. He's speaking in the Spirit. God doesn't need us to speak in Hebrew, Greek, or Latin. God doesn't even need us to speak in Spanish when we have an English tongue, but when we speak in the Spirit, we're speaking mysteries unto God that God is working through us. Brothers and sisters, listen to William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army. I'm not waiting for a move of the Holy Ghost. Sounds like a whole lot of people, doesn't it? I'm not waiting for a move of the Holy Ghost. Doesn't that sound like a whole lot of people? But he didn't stop there. He says, I'm not waiting for a move of the Holy Ghost. I am a move of the Holy Ghost. In other words, God has breathed into me. I am a move of the Holy Ghost. Some other time we'll do the other point because it'd be, it's, it's quite a bit of a, a lot of reading. Listen to what Catherine Booth said, William Booth's wife. If we are to better the future If we are to better the future, we must be ready to disturb the present. We must be ready to disturb the present. Brothers and sisters, a move of God isn't just for the sake of let's all go into chaos. It isn't about that. A move of God is about strengthening men and women with resolve in the Holy Spirit and the Word that they'd be alive unto God. And it's not even about speaking in tongues all the time and giving messages all the time and prophecy all the time and all these. It's not even about that. It's about strengthening men and women, leading men and women, guiding men and women in the power of the Spirit to stand in the day that we live in. Senior we children, all our... All our children went out there this morning. I don't know, they're like a wee army going out. There's so many of them. And listen, I, I, I say it all the time. It, it, it's one of the most beautiful things I see to see all the children and the babies and all going out down to the children's church. It's fantastic. And there's so many of them just all see the whole stream of them all going out. It's brilliant. But what are we doing for their future, should Christ, Harry? What is your life like for their future, should Christ tarry? What are we doing as a church? Yes, they're being taught the scriptures down there, and it's not a playtime, it's a, it's a, it's a Sunday uh, uh, church for children, children's church. But what are we leaving our children, should Christ tarry? What is the future? If we want to better the future for them, 
we must be ready ourselves to disturb the present. It's how we live our lives and the Holy Ghost breathing into us. He makes a mess a masterpiece. He's still working in you. He takes a mold to make it a man. He makes man his mission because then he sends us forth and then he takes his mission. He makes it a mountain because he's coming back and he's going to fill the whole earth. What are we doing with our children? What, what are we leaving the children of CET? Are we going to leave them another spiritless gospel? A spiritless life? Or a limited life in the spirit where we limit the Lord? What are we living? Where do we limit him? And I'm not talking about even the, the, the Spirit being limited in a church setting. I'm talking about our lives. What about when, the, when the, the Spirit points on us and says, you must give that over, you must give that up, you, you must not go there, do there, whatever, or here, let me fill you, and if I fill you, I will equip you and enable you. And you may say, but I'm, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not qualified to do this in service. Listen, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. None of us are qualified. But when we step out knowing it's off the Lord, he then qualifies us. So what are we as a church? And listen, see, I don't know how many this morning with the children here, but we can generally tell by the seating. Because, what many seats are out there? There's 400 seats out here. And there's, there are empty seats, but they're, I mean, this is all pretty packed over here, and obviously there's children missing over seats. But we are pretty full there. What can we do when the Spirit's brooding like this morning over the meeting? What does the Spirit want to do in your life when you're here and at home? And we tend to, we tend to give up too easy. Well, we've had our trial, or we're feeling bad, or, or, or we've let the Lord down. And Listen, we all do. But what are we going to do with it? Are we just going to... Say, you know what? I've done my bit. I've done my bit. What are we all going to do as a unit, as a church family? What are we all going to do as a church assembly in our lives? Are we, are we going to say, Lord, fill me with your spirit? Because look, see, when he fills you with his spirit, your life will change. Your life will change. Talking about I'm talking about whenever the, the, he breathes into you and you and he ignites you like cloven tongues like as of fire. The time is gone. Will you tell the children that could come up or and we'll give them a buzz? While they're coming up, let me tell you this. I was pastoring in Dublin for five years nearly. In fact, just over maybe. Anyway, about five years and we're having a mission. We're going to have it for two weeks and we're having the meetings, prayer meetings before it. <clears throat> and... There's one night we're in the prayer meeting and there was a guard here. And listen, with a great bunch of people, some of them still follow us today. And there was a guard here on the, on, the key, on the keyboard and she's now sadly passed away. But she was here on the keyboard and uh, there was a guy here with a guitar and we were just praising the Lord and we were praying and seeking the Lord about the mission. And the Lord spoke to me in the mission and he says, I'd ask different people to testify different nights. It was all set out and the Lord says, lay hands on everyone. Lay hands on everyone who's taken part in the mission. So 
I start praying with them, laying hands, praying, just as we're singing. In fact, you know who could tell you? Oh, he's down the crest. Is Gary down the crest, is he? Gary was there. And Gary came. Gary, <laughs> I laugh because Gary was, a, Gary was like myself. He was a Presbyterian. And he wasn't used to this. He wasn't long saved. And he was standing behind this woman. And he's standing, I guess, singing away. I'm not saying about the Presbyterians, by the way. I'm not trying to buttonhole them or pick on them. Stand singing away with his straight back, you know, and he's, he's singing his heart out. And there's a woman here, and I went over and I laid hands on her, and Gary buckled and he went. This Presbyterian just collapsed. He's holding on to the back of the seat and he couldn't stand. I didn't touch him. Spirit of God started moving, and the more I went over laying hands on them and praying for them, I felt like there was oil running off my hands, like heavy oil just dripping off them. I was laying hands on them and praying, laying hands on that one. They're testifying. They're going to be singing. They're going to be, they're, they're going to be coming and bringing people and helping out and at the door. And I was laying hands and it was like cloven tongues of fire just started going up like that. Boom, 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 boom. All these Dubliners. And they all started praising and speaking in other tongues. And I had no idea of it. Their heart was fully open to receive the things of God. And seeing that mission, on that mission, there was 44 souls saved in the two weeks in Dublin. There was a young man healed of leukemia in the meeting. And he, he was given a couple of months left to live. And years later, still alive. I've lost contact with him. But there was a man come in and a woman come in and they brought people with them. And they brought them from Tala. And they were all drug addicts. And God started delivering them in the meeting because the fire of God was there. They're ready to, these people were needing the Lord. They were desperate for Him. And they started, they were just, some of them just saved. Some of them got saved. And so years later, I went and preached in Tala. And I went to, to try and reach out there. And I was actually preaching in a meeting one time. I can't even remember what I was preaching because. It was one of those events. I was standing in a, this hallway. They brought me in, in, in they brought me in in, the, in a car. I had to meet them and bring them because they wouldn't let me come in on my own at night. They brought me into Tala on the west, southwest side of Dublin. And I'm standing in this. I didn't realize. I thought it was a small church because it was dark and I went in, in the dark. And I'm standing preaching. These boys come in, sat along the back like this. Sat for about 20 minutes and off they went again. And you know who it was? Pastor Tommy Hanrahan that brought me down. And it ended up that I didn't realize I was in the drug rehabilitation center in the middle of Tala. And I'm preaching on King David, encouraging himself in the Lord as God. And these boys come in and they start leaving. Tommy goes out after him and he comes back to me after a meeting. I, I says, who were the boys that left? He says, that was the Ra. The IRA heard there was some boy down from the, from the north, he says. And they come down, he says, to try to convert the people. I says, well, they sat for long enough. I says, what did they say? They says he's doing no harm, leave him alone. God covered me. And here's the thing about it. When I came from Dublin, then I went on to pastor and other places and stuff. Years later, I'd lost contact with everybody. And out of the blue... I seen on a Facebook this week church called Firebrand Christian Church. And they're in a river baptizing people. 
And then these photographs up, and I thought, where's that wee church? Where's that? Well, it's in Dublin. And I scrolled in, and I opened it up like this. And wasn't it the people who had come to the mission? And the church started out. The church started from the work Tommy was doing and brought them there. Next thing, bang, the church started out. And they're reaching people. He's now in South Africa. I think he's preaching this weekend in South Africa. See, that's what God can do if you're open enough for him, brothers and sisters. You don't know what you're leaving behind. You don't know what you're doing. We need to set a standard and leave it. I was baptizing these boys who just got saved. And we're in a wee swimming pool in the heart of Dublin. We're in the swimming pool. These two boys walk down into the, into the waters up to their waist with Celtic tops on. And I had already taught, you see, about the baptism. And I said to them, do you realize now, boys? <laughs> I says, do you realize? He's killing herself. Do you realize that when I baptize you, what this means, you go under the water and come up again? says, yes, we do indeed. I says, but do you realize when I baptize you in a Celtic top, it's a Rangers woman, you get back up. <laughs> you know, we were able to joke. We were able to just have a laugh with each other. And brothers and sisters, God was moving. And God wants to move as he's brooding in your life. I'm just talking today, get their seats. Brilliant, all the kids. Fantastic to see them all, all these wee ones. Please... Mother, Father, keep bringing your kids. They need it, for we need to put something in them because the world will teach them not to love the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to teach them how to love the Lord Jesus Christ and the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Team, would you come up, please?